What's up? Welcome to Shooting the Schmidt. I'm your host, Jonathan Smith. Got an absolutely loaded show for you today. We're going to kick it off talking about just the NFL weekend, mainly Sunday night football. We're going to talk about quarterbacks and things like that. I'm going to update the Super Bowl bubble. And then finally, we're going to close it out talking a little bit of NBA, focusing on the Boston Celtics today. Going to be a really good show. Here we go. Sunday Night Football was an absolute goldmine for guys like me. I mean, oh my gosh, two of us Herberts was an absolute blowout, okay? Because at, at the end of the day, people weren't tuning in to watch the Dolphins play the Chargers. People were tuning in to see Tua versus Herbert, the number five overall pick versus the number six overall pick from a few years ago. That's why people tuned in, and it was an absolute blowout. No contest at all, despite Herbert. Missing multiple offensive linemen, he tore the Dolphins' defense apart. And despite the Chargers missing their entire secondary, Tua Tagovailoa looked absolutely abysmal, okay? He looked like a high school quarterback. He looked awful, okay? And I just think that Sunday night, it really solidified the idea that Justin Herbert is, without a doubt, and in spite of guy. This is a new theory that I've been working on. And Tua is a with guy, okay? In spite of guys, can overcome a lack of something, okay? And with guys, can only win when it's perfect, okay? For example here, Patrick Mahomes, in theory, threw for 270 yards, two touchdowns, and one in spite of Travis Kelsey being out. Kirk Cousins won with all of his weapons available and a perfect game plan. Right, These are just small examples. And we, we saw it on Sunday night. Justin Herbert threw for 367 yards and a touchdown. In spite of missing, not one, not two, but three starting offensive linemen. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Tua threw for 145 yards, only completed 10 passes. Okay, 60 of those yards came off of one throw. Okay, once again, Tua threw for 145 yards. That's absolutely terrible. Because the game plan wasn't perfect. Okay, if two had played with a perfect game plan, he would have been better, right? And that's what we've seen from them so far this year, right? They've come out, they're running this new style offense, it's a new coach, it's a brand new system, and it took teams 13 weeks to watch the tape and to figure out what to do in order to counter this, what was elite offensive attack, right? This attack that would... You know, target the middle of the field, 10 to 15 yards down the field, and they just, it's just chunk play, chunk play, chunk play. Now, teams are starting to drop their linebackers deeper, and they're starting to get really physical at the line of scrimmage with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, these smaller receivers, right? And look, that's what the Chargers did. They did a great job. They put bigger bodies on Hill and Waddle, got really physical, didn't really let them get off the line of scrimmage. And because of that, the timing was off, right? Tua is expecting guys to be you know, five yards further down the field than what they are. And on top of that, when you're able to get physical at the line of scrimmage like that, it gives your linebackers more time to get depth, right? So teams have kind of started to figure out this Dolphins offense, and it has really affected the Dolphins and the way that they've been able to move the football, right? These last two weeks, it's been really, really bad. Two has been really bad two weeks in a row now, to say the least, okay? And look, that's that's part of the NFL, though, okay? 
Like, you have to make adjustments. Look, now look, if the Chargers hadn't made adjustments, Dolphins probably would have won this game, right? Tua would have thrown, you know, for 300 yards and a couple touchdowns, and we'd be singing his praises, right? But that's not what happened. They lost. Okay, and looking at guys like Tua, these quote-unquote with guys, it is very hard to win a Super Bowl with guys like Tua and Kirk Cousins and Jimmy G and other guys like that. And here's why. It's because you need four straight perfect game plans. Okay, you need four straight excellent games from your defense. Okay, you need four straight excellent games from your special teams unit. Okay, you need four straight games of catching some type of break. And it's really hard to do that. Okay, look, we've seen it done before, right? Obviously, we saw Jared Goff take the Rams to the Super Bowl. We saw Jimmy G take the 49ers to the Super Bowl. We saw Joe Flacco win the Super Bowl. I mean, like, so it can it be done? Yes, it can be done. It is just extremely difficult. Okay, like there's a reason why we see guys like Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady and Josh Allen consistently pick to win the Super Bowl because we know that these are guys who can go win games when crap hits the fan. Okay, like I was saying earlier, okay, like if Travis Kelsey is out for Kansas City, are you concerned? Yes, and you should be. But ultimately, it's not going to matter because Patrick is because Patrick Mahomes is the one who's throwing the football. Right with Josh Allen, if Stephon Diggs is out, is that concerning? Yes, of course. Stephon Diggs, one of the best receivers in the NFL. But at the end of the day, there's a small part of you. For me, there's a large part of me that knows that you're going to be okay because you still have Josh Allen back there throwing and distributing the football. Right? I mean, we saw Tom Brady be the ultimate in spite of guy for a long time, in spite of his best receiver being Julian Edelman. He won games consistently and won Super Bowls consistently. Right, in spite of you know the Patriots not spending money, in spite of the the Patriots being unable to consistently draft, well, they never drafted a good wide receiver. Like like when we look at Tom Brady's career, you know, before he got to Tampa, he had Randy Moss for one year, and outside of that, his best receivers were Wes Welker and Julian Edelman and Rob Gronkowski, and that was it. Right, the ultimate in spite of guy. That's why he's the greatest quarterback ever. Is because in spite of the lack of talent around him, he consistently won games and won Super Bowls. Right, and that's ultimately what these teams are looking for. Okay, you want in spite of guys, guys who can win when things aren't perfect. Because guess what? When you go and you play in the playoffs and you're playing against the other best teams in the NFL, things aren't going to be perfect ever. They aren't. Simple as that. And look, if I'm Miami and things don't get better with Tua, I would move off of him, like, at the end of this year, okay? And I think part of why Miami is reluctant to move off of Tua is because they are afraid to admit that they made a mistake. Simple as that. They still are in this phase. They're like a high school girl, right, who dates the bad boy and is like, hey, I can fix him, okay? And they spend all this time pouring their heart and soul into this relationship and the guy doesn't get any better because he's not fixable. Okay? And it's look, it's the same thing with Miami. They're going to take all this time, they're going to pour their heart and soul into Tua. You know, they went and they hired a new coach and they went and they're paying Tyreek Hill and they've done all these things to surround Tua with everything that he needs. Right? And like when it's all worked and it's all clicked, he's been really, really good. But the thing is, it's not always going to work and it's not always going to click. Okay? In order to win Super Bowls, you need a guy who can go out and get it done in spite of not having his best receiver available, in spite of having his left tackle hurt, like like we saw Joe Burrow do last year. Okay, we saw Joe Burrow take 
a very talented Bengals team at the skill positions, but a terrible offensive line. We saw him take that team to a Super Bowl. Okay, and they had a chance to win. Okay, that's that's an in spite of guy. And that is ultimately what the Miami Dolphins need, especially in a division that is going to be ran by the Bills and Josh Allen for a long time. If they want to win their division and win Super Bowls and do these types of things and beat Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs and beat Joe Burrow in the playoffs, you have to go and get an in spite of guy, which they do not have right now. It was absolutely 100% clear that Tua is not on that level. He's not. So if I'm Miami, if things don't get better, by the end of this year, I would, I would get, I'd move off Tua, I'd trade Tua and some other draft capital, I'd move into the first round, and I would take a quarterback. Look, you're, probably, you're not going to get Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, who are going to be at the top end of this quarterback class. But look, you know, I did a thing a couple weeks ago on just how many first-round quarterbacks end up being good. You got a 50-50 shot, right? So move, move into the first round. Take Hendon Hooker or Will Levis. There's always some quarterback at some small school who always emerges late. Maybe take that guy. I don't know. Move off to it, though. Go find your next guy. That is what I would do if I was the Miami Dolphins. We're going to take a short break. Haven't done this in a couple weeks. We're going to update the Super Bowl bubble. Um, Yeah, the last time I did my Super Bowl bubble, I had Miami in there. And I'm just going to tell you right now, they're not in there anymore. So we're going to take a short break. And we'll be right back with the Super Bowl bubble here on Shooting the Schmidt. And we're back with more Shooting the Schmidt's talking about the Super Bowl bubble here. So very quickly, here are the five teams that I believe currently, some other team may pop in here at some point, that I believe currently can win the Super Bowl. These five teams are, we'll start in the AFC, Kansas City, Buffalo, and Cincinnati. In the NFC. We've got the Philadelphia Eagles and the San Francisco 49ers. Back to the AFC now. Kansas City, Buffalo, and Cincinnati might be the three best teams in the NFL. Point blank, period. Okay, all three have elite quarterbacks. You heard me talk about all three in the last segment. Buffalo and Cincinnati have good defenses. Whoever comes out of the AFC should be and is going to be the favorite to win the Super Bowl with who, against whoever they play in the, AFC, in the NFC. And I can tell you right now, it's going to be one of these three teams. Simple as that. Okay, if I had to pick somebody today, I would take Kansas City. They've got the best quarterback in the NFL. They have the best quarterback coach combo in the NFL. I don't think it's close, really. You know, I mean, we've got one of the best offensive minds in the history of football, college, NFL, whatever, and Andy Reid. Paired with one of the most talented quarterbacks we've ever seen, a quarterback who's having arguably the best year of his career. Okay, and you can make an argument that the Chiefs not only have the best quarterback in the NFL, but they have the best coach in the NFL. Okay, with that being said, Cincinnati, however, has beaten them the last three times that they've played them. (laughs) Okay, it just seems like they have their number, okay? And that Cincinnati defense is no joke. Okay, they have the best second-half defense in the NFL. On average, they're giving up only eight points per game in the second half. Okay, that is... Absolutely elite. Because usually what happens is, right, everybody goes into the locker room. They all make adjustments. You know, they do all these things. And then usually scoring increases in the second half. Not when you play Cincinnati. If you're going to be Cincinnati, you better show up prepared. And you better drop 28 on them in the first half. Because good luck scoring in the second half. Good luck. 
Okay, the offensive line has improved. There was some concern about Leo Collins early on in the year, you know, the big addition from the Cowboys who they brought in to play tackle. He's gotten much better. Joe Burrow is doing Joe Burrow things. Jamar Chase is healthy. T. Higgins can play. I mean, this Cincinnati Bengals team is absolutely loaded with talent. You know, Joe Mixon, I mean, they've just they've got so many guys who can make plays on the offensive side of the ball. The defense is really is playing really well. Zach Taylor's doing a good job. They're making good adjustments at halftime. I mean, this is a really, really good football team who is better than they were last year. And this is the team that went to the Super Bowl last year and won the AFC. This is a really good football team. And lastly, we know how good Buffalo is. Okay, we know that they're loaded with talent on both sides of the ball. You know, I had them losing to the Jets this week. Because, you know, Von Miller's gone, and, like, that's a big hit. And, like, it is a big hit, but, like, it didn't really seem to matter. They still got pressure on Mike White, and that's a solid Jets offensive line. And, yeah, I mean, the AFC is, they're going to be, it's going to be tough to get through. I mean, just imagine if the Chargers sneak in, and just imagine if the Dolphins can figure it out. Like, this AFC is going to be loaded. A lot of points are going to be scored. The Ravens might get in as well. I mean, just imagine a playoffs with Kansas City, Philadelphia, Buffalo, the Dolphins, the the Ravens, the Chargers, that's six, and then let's say like the Jets sneak in. Sure, why not? I mean, that is, that's a lot of points. That's a lot of really good quarterbacks. That's a lot of explosive offenses. I mean, the AFC is going to be so much fun to watch this year when it comes around to, you know, playoff time. Moving on to the NFC. Two-horse race. I think everybody knows that. Okay, like when we look at the NFC, obviously I think everybody would agree that the Philadelphia Eagles are the best team. And when we look at the 49ers, they're streaking. I believe they've won like five in a row now. I mean, like it is, it really just kind of feels like it's them too. Because when we look at the standings, you know, in, in the AFC, or excuse me, in the NFC, right? Philly currently has, you know, the number one seed, 12 and one, best record in the league, really good football team. The two seed is Minnesota. A Minnesota team that just got dogged by the Detroit Lions, who are playing really well, by the way. And not only that, but they were underdogs to the Lions, who aren't even in the playoffs right now. Like, is it possible that Minnesota just got really lucky early on in the year and won all these one-possession games? Maybe so, right? That's what Vegas really kind of seems to think when you look at the, the line from last week. They're only favored by four this week against a really bad Colts team. Okay, so Vegas doesn't like Minnesota, and Vegas is usually right, usually, right? So you get them as the two seed, but I don't think people really believe in them. Then we got San Francisco, who's 9-4, and four, okay? And Brock Purdy looked good yesterday, or on Sunday, threw three touchdowns, only quarterback in the history, in the history of the NFL to beat Tom Brady in their first career start. I mean... He looks fine. He looks like Jimmy G. Light. They're going to be able to move the ball. They're going to be able to put up points. They're going to be fine. That defense is still elite. San Francisco, really, really good. And then, you know, you got Tampa in the four seed. I don't, I mean, come on now. They're six and seven. We don't really believe in them, do we? Even though they have Tom Brady, I don't believe in them. Fifth, you've got Dallas. And I just, I don't know what to think of Dallas. I don't like Dallas. I don't. Okay, I'm sorry. When Dak Prescott's your starting quarterback, I think it's the same thing as having Kirk Cousins as your starting quarterback, right? And then Washington's coming on strong, but Taylor Heineke's their starting quarterback, so I don't really believe in them. And then the Giants are the seventh seed, and I'm sorry, but teams have kind of figured them out. It's a really similar feeling to Miami where 
They won a bunch of games early because it's a new offense, and now teams have tape on that offense, and they're you know adjusting their defense accordingly, right? So I don't really believe in the Giants. Like it's a two horse race through and through Philadelphia and San Francisco, and I don't think it's really close. It's those two, a large gap, and then everybody else. And here's the thing, though, I don't really trust either one of them. Okay, Brock Purdy, young guy, rookie. Okay, and I haven't seen Jalen Hurts do it in the playoffs yet. Okay, because let's be honest. I think that the Eagles are are the overwhelming favorite to come out of the NFC, even though I do think that this 49ers team is more than good enough to beat them. But let's let's focus in on the Eagles here for a second. I haven't seen Jalen Hurts do it in the playoffs. And ultimately, like that's what this is about. The way to win the Super Bowl is you got to do it in the playoffs. Simple as that. Okay, maybe he takes the step this year. Maybe he's much better this year. But I can't just erase the Eagles getting shut out for three quarters against the Buccaneers last year. Okay? Like, they've proved that they can do it in the regular season. But I need to see them do it in the playoffs. Okay? I need them to come out, you know, game one in the divisional round because they're probably going to be the number one overall seed. And I need to see them just absolutely destroy somebody. Okay? I need to see them do to somebody what they did to the Giants this last week, hanging 48 on them. Okay? I need to see them do what they did to the Packers a few weeks ago, running for, you know, 300 yards or whatever it was, right? Where they just lined it up and they just shoved it down their throat and said, you can't do anything to stop it. That's what I need to see from them in order for me to really believe in this Philadelphia Eagles team because the rest of their roster looks good. Nick Sirianni seems like he's a really good coach. He's been a really good hire. I need to see it in the playoffs, right? And that's the thing, like with with the 49ers as well, Brock Purdy obviously never played in a playoff game before. Uh, I want to see a little bit more from them before I really hop on the 49ers bandwagon. So we're going to take a short break. We come back. We're going to talk about the Boston Celtics, the best team in the NBA. Cannot wait to get into it. But first, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back with more Shooting the Schmidt. And we're back with more Shooting the Schmidt. Looking at the Boston Celtics here. The Boston Celtics are indeed the best team in the NBA. I currently have the best record in the NBA at 21-7. and seven. Multiple stars. I mean, this is just this is just a really good team. They're extremely deep. They go like 10 guys deep, okay? I mean, they are just absolutely loaded with guys who can play. I mean, Peyton Pritchard, a guy who got pretty consistent playoff minutes for them last year, is currently the 10th best guy on their roster, okay? I mean, and he's, you know, the second or third guy off of most teams' benches in the NBA right now. I mean, he's 10th. He's the fifth guy off of their bench, Okay, I mean, like I said, team, this team has just a lot of talent, okay? But besides how deep they are and besides how much talent they have, there are two main reasons as to why they're better this year than they were last year, okay? There's two main reasons as to why they've made the leap to being the best team in the NBA, which I don't think that, which obviously they weren't last year. They weren't better than Golden State. I don't think that they were better than than a healthy Milwaukee Bucks team. But here's the thing. First reason is I believe Malcolm Brogdon was a huge addition for them, okay? A guy who can facilitate the offense coming off the bench, okay? That was very much needed, okay? We saw that in the playoffs last year against the, against the Warriors. They were just kind of getting these ruts where they couldn't score, and they just, like, refused to reset, right? And having a guy like Brogdon who can come in, be more of a true point guard outside of, like, Marcus Smart, who's there to play defense and hit some big shots whenever you need him to, um, having a guy like Brogdon who can come in slow everything down, and just help you reset and just regain your footing, I think has been really good for them. But here's the main reason. The main reason why they're better this year than they were last year 
is because Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown have once again gotten better, right? Like you watch them every year and you're like, all right, like this is the ceiling. Like they're pretty good players. And then, no, 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 they come back and the numbers go up. I mean, they are just really good players. Let's start with Jalen Brown. Brown's points, rebounds, and field goal percentage are all up. His points are up by by three by three points a game. His rebounds are up by a whole rebound a game. And his overall field goal percentage is up. Meanwhile, he is shooting a career low from three. A career low. Okay, guys don't get worse at shooting. They get better at shooting. So he's just he's in a slump to start the first quarter of this year. And once he finds that shooting stroke from three, his numbers have the potential to go up even more. Okay, like Jalen Brown is a guy who people called for the Celtics to trade last year. They're like, look, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum can't coexist, whatever, whatever, whatever. They've gone from this storyline to Jalen Brown is the best number two in the league, even though some nights he isn't even the number two. Okay, like he's done a really good job, I think, this year of seeing when Jason Tatum doesn't have it and inserting himself into the offense more. Right, because I don't think there's any question Jason Tatum is the better player. Jason Tatum should be the number one option. Right, but the best Robins, so to speak, know when to step in and take more control because the Batmans don't really have it. We see Chris Middleton do it at the end of games, sometimes with Giannis. That's probably the best example. Jalen Brown has done a fantastic job of that this year. Moving on to Jason Tatum, who has also improved this year. His scoring numbers are up as well. He's averaging almost 30 points a game. Last year, he was at 26. That was a career half for him last year. He's look, looking like he's going to reset that again. The rebounding is up as well. And here's the thing for him. His finishing is so much better. Two things when you look at his numbers that show why his numbers are up. First of all, he's taking almost 10 threes a game. Okay, Highest in his career. He's shooting you know about 36%. So he's shooting it at a pretty decent clip, and he's taking more threes. So because of that, you're going to see an increase in his in his scoring ability. Plus, he's shooting a career high in terms of his two-point field goal percentage. And I think that directly correlates to how much better of a finish he is from last year to this year. Right, Like last year, you'd watch him go, and contact really bothered him at the rim. That's part of what Golden State did. They got really physical with him. And this year, first of all, he looked stronger. And he's not shying away from contact, right? Like when he's going to the rim, he's going through contact and finishing through it. Okay, you can see it in the numbers. Um, Yeah, I mean, he's just, they're so much better this year. And obviously, look, we're only a quarter of the way through the year. Things are going to change. Guys are going to get hurt, so on and so forth. But as of right now, when we look at the East, which is absolutely loaded, by the way, the Nets, who got off to a rough start, They've really kind of figured it out. Ben Simmons has gotten better. Just I know people don't really want to hear that, but what a surprise. The guy who hasn't played basketball in two years, once he started playing more games, has gotten better. They're 8-2 and two in their last 10. People aren't really talking about him. Kyrie Irving's back. He balled out the other night. Anyway, Cleveland is really good this year, right? They add Donovan Mitchell. That's a, a great piece alongside Khalil Garland, another guy who can go and score, a guy who's really committed to the defensive side of the ball. But the thing with Cleveland is they aren't winning on the road. They're 5-9 and nine on the road. This is usually what happens with the younger teams. They struggle to go on the road and win games, especially when the playoffs come around. But look, they might figure it out. That's a really good basketball team. But obviously, when we look at the East, there are two teams that I think people are going to be talking about for the rest of the year and into the playoffs. That's Boston and Milwaukee. Because I don't think you can argue these are the two best teams in the Eastern Conference, right? Milwaukee, obviously, is... 
you know, Chris Middleton and Giannis and a whole bunch of really good role players that fit very well around what Giannis does, right? A bunch of guys who can step out and shoot threes, a lot of stretch fours. Brooke Lopez, you know, continues to be a really good defender for them around the rim. Obviously, Giannis is arguably the best defender in the league, another guy who can really protect the rim, right? And then, obviously, Middleton, a guy who can come in, get his own shot, and create for others. And then you've got Boston, who they've got these two guys, and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, who are much improved. And it's going to be so much fun. Hopefully, both teams will be fully healthy to watch them go at it in the playoffs. I mean, this is going to be an absolute heavyweight matchup. You know, in years past, we felt like the NBA Finals would happen in, like, the Western Conference Finals. Like, Boston versus Milwaukee Eastern Conference Finals could very easily be the NBA Finals of the year, right? Like, the series that everybody is tuned into, the series that everybody wants to see, right? Like, we saw it in the past, like, with the Warriors and the Rockets and James Harden was with the Rockets, and, like, we've seen this happen multiple times before. And I I wouldn't be surprised if we saw it again this year with Boston and Milwaukee because whenever we look out West, like... Look, I, I t- actually, you know what? I, t- I talked about the West last week. Let's let's keep it here in the East. Boston-Milwaukee, absolutely loaded, both of them. Arguably the two best teams in the NBA. When the playoffs come around, it's going to be so much fun to watch these two teams go at it. I cannot wait until that happens. So, that's going to do it here at Shooting the Schmidt. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to the podcast. Hope you hope you enjoyed it. Hopefully you like, subscribe, rate, do all those fun things. So, that's going to do it here. Um... I know you guys were expecting to hear my guy Cam on here. I messed up, made a mistake. We were supposed to record last night. I forgot. I told my girlfriend we would do Christmas last night. And so I was like, hey, come on Thursday. But I'm going to the Warriors game Wednesday night, so we can't record on Wednesday night. So he's going to come on next week. Hopefully, we'll see. Hopefully, we're going to be able to make that happen. So once again, thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you all again on Thursday.